The Athletic. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne. This is Pod on the Tyne. In fact, it's the last pod on the Tyne of the 2022-23 season. One that's been more than memorable. They want Kieran Trippier over the wall. The supporters. It is Trippier. Oh, yes! Howe is in front of the dugout, he's on the touchline and is telling the team to stay there, to stay up the pitch. And how fantastic was it to see a Newcastle team ask questions of a Man City side, arguably the best team in the world. Oh God, it was just brilliant. Slice clearance comes to San Maxima! A goal right out of the top draw from Alessand Maxima! Almirod makes the run. Oh, my goodness gracious me! That was sensational! Even he can't believe it! The technique to do that is outstanding. What a goal! With Kim Codge, I was genuinely in disbelief when he scored that volley. Haven't seen it subsequently, he does mean it. But at the time, I refused to believe, I will admit. Wilson having a look around. Almiron! He's a man in the mood too! Wow! That is just astonishing! From Miguel Almiron! Kill into the set away, Miguel Almiron. was a low light wasn't it Chris <laughs> sitting on his bed in his pants oh yeah I forgot, I forgot about that because he burned his his own cock with um with, <laughs> with no that's a different story that is we it the podcast Chris Woff senior writer George Cogan and new kid on the pod Jacob Whitehead Jacob welcome nice to have you on pleased to be here Advancing. 
and Wembley gets ready. Newcastle United get ready to go for silverware. They are here not to be liked, says Eddie Howe. They are here to compete. Luke Shaw, left-footed delivery, headed into the net. The opening goal goes the way of Manchester United. Edge of the area, danger here. Rashford. Oh, how oh, how it's gone over Carrius. It might have taken a touch, but Newcastle have got big problems now. So the ball on the floor for a free kick for Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes down the line into the corner. The ambition is there. There should be pride. I don't want to see this as a failure for Newcastle United. Very few people at the start of the season expected them to be here today. There's no reason why they can't get back on a straight and narrow and make sure that they finish the season strongly. He's that. He's done well. Set it up from the far post. Joel Linton's got space, the rebound is put in, and Jacob Murphy has put it into the net. Diagonal ball, Joel Linton making the run, Joel Linton's in, he's gone around Lloris and Murphy's oh. Murphy's had a go from one. Oh. oh, well, like what an unbelievable ball, Alexander Isak one-on-one. Jason Tindall has a knack for finding the camera. <laughs> Have you ever had to rein him in and be like, hey man, I'm in charge here. I'm the chief. Um, no, he's a great guy. He's been incredible for me this year. Gentlemen, here we are. We made it. We made it to the end of the season. I've got Jacob Whitehead here. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm good, Taylor. What a time to be alive. Oh, isn't it just, mate? But I've, I, I am having to contend with an awful sunburn from being sat in the front row of Stamford Bridge press box and just watching the whole game with my hand over my eyes, kind of like a dad on holiday. Jacob, I've been spending 30 years watching Newcastle with my hand <laughs> over my eyes. You could, you know... This is all part of the process. Come on. I don't think you're the only one who got sunburned, uh, Jacob, because George 
Corkin's a lovely shade of Tyndall today, aren't you, George? Well, it's just high blood pressure, Taylor. That's not what it is. Yeah, right. I think that's just high. It's just, it's just, it's just cholesterol. <laughs> it's just cholesterol. Chris Woff's here. Chris, how the devil are you? You all right? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, I had the unusual experience. I think it's only the second game this season where I didn't actually watch it live, either being in the stadium or watching mm. it uh, on the, on the TV. So I was, I had BBC Radio Newcastle on in the living room while I had the relegation games on the TV. So I wasn't really fully listening all the way through the game, and th- but then I just every now and again heard John Anderson <laughs> complain about something that was going on. Martin Dubrav committed a lot of what he describes as camera saves. Yeah. And also, during the second half, every time Miguel Almiron got the ball, he just kept on saying, you do wonder how he ever scored any of those goals in the first half of the season. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed that, didn't you, Chris? I did, yeah. Yeah. Chris, uh, Newcastle, you're a second team then if you're watching Everton live on uh, on Sunday. I said I was watching the relegation teams. So I thought I thought Everton didn't do relegation. I was watching the other two. I had the Leicester game on actually mainly. Well, clearly, but we were in the battle and we came out the other side. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ran on the pitch as well, didn't you? Fans should get relegated just for that. Points deduction. See you later. Exactly, Goodbye. yeah. So I didn't realise you were the arbiters of fun, having complained about kind of that over the last few months, but... <laughs> Enjoy Sunderland away next year. Yeah. We're Newcastle podcast. We've only discovered fun this season. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Don't really want it. Don't really want it to end, do we? No, it was. Um, I mean, who gives a flying toss about anything that happened actually on the pitch yesterday? Um, it was just all about having a big party, wasn't it? And I feel like I've certainly did that. I was in the away end at Stamford Bridge. Did briefly see Jacob beforehand, which is very nice. But um, oh, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I'll tell you something. I'm already fucking sick of the Champions League anthem. Oh, um, you know, because I mean, what that, it was one of the soundtracks of the day. There was this lad; he was it was hilarious. It was totally mint. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but this lad arriving at King's Cross with a personal megaphone, and he had his phone pressed against it, and all it was it was the whole Champions League theme tune, and it filled King's Cross. It was amazing. amazing. Look, look it up on Twitter clips, and then he had it confiscated. He was playing it outside Stamford Bridge. He had it confiscated. <laughs> And, you know, I was like kind of going past and thinking, oh, that's a bit sad, but thank fuck, you know. Um, and then he got it. And then I was walking away from Stamford Bridge at the end. And it's that that strange bit of a match where you've just been singing and singing and singing for like three hours. And then suddenly it's just quiet. Everything goes and you're like meeting the outside world again. Yeah. And I was sort of just acclimatizing. And then there was this massive screech of feedback from behind me. And it was this lad. <laughs> and he was like dressed. He had this brilliant Isak Sweden flag tied onto him. And he was just holding up this megaphone. And I stopped and just, he, he just sort of walked past. It was like this sort of, it was like this ghostly vision of a man. And it's just the theme tune just walked off into the distance on his own. So yeah, I've, I've heard enough of that anthem. Yeah, they don't like that at Chelsea this season, do they? They'll not be hearing any of that anytime I would soon. just like to, I mean, I think fair's fair. I would just like to congratulate plucky little mid-table Chelsea for their draw against the mighty Newcastle yesterday because that is, that's not an easy thing to do. So fair no, play to well. Chelsea. Plucky little Chelsea. Well done. Well done. Uh, well, we're going to break the season down and have a little bit of a review of everything in a little while. But uh, that, that match, Chris... Anthony Gordon on the score sheet, nice to see. Uh, yeah, he took away. I mean, it may have been the most abysmal defending ever that led to... That the wasn't defending, was it? <laughs> they weren't defending zonally, they were defending fictionally, weren't they? That's what that was. What I think you saw was just during that first half was whenever Fabian Cher played that crossfield ball down St. Maximan, there was, he was in acres of space behind Cesar, Cesar Azpilicueta, 
and that's where the goal came from in the end. Sam Maximan on to Anderson, good ball across, and then very good movement from Gordon, and hopefully a, a, good, a good goal for him, a good sign-off f- for, for what has been a difficult first few months. He spoke after the game to NUFC TV, and he sort of said that. He said it's been a difficult year for him, and he said that he'd found it... This is not having a dig at Everton, Jacob. This is what he actually said. He basically said he was surprised by the step up that it would take to go from Everton to Newcastle and that um, it has taken him a while to acclimatise and that he needs the pre-season that Eddie Howe has also spoken about as well. So for him, it felt like a big moment, hopefully a, a nice moment. Obviously, lots of people singing about him. I'm not sure about the Anthony Gordon song. I don't think it quite works, but I do admire everyone who's coming Come up on, with Chris. it. Abba's Vulu. It's, it's the end of the season. It's not the time to start pulling things apart and complaining about the song. The song works, man. I sang, I sang that. Well, I let's hear, let's hear it, now. George, because I don't think it works. So let's hear your Anthony Gordon, Gordon running down, down the wing. Gordon, Gordon makes the Jordy sing. Gordon, we're all going to Madrid. That's it. What's wrong with that, Chris? Oh, it's marginally better than I thought it was going to be, actually. So, yeah. No, I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There was that song, and then the, the new one, the new one to the repertoire was the was the Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall one. And I like it, I like it, I like it, I like it. La, 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 la. Here we go, oh, Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall. That was really good. That was really doesn't good. work as well for me. That one. Oh, I like that one. Like oh no, I really like that. And I lo- I love the fact that Tindall, you know, Mad Dog gets his um, gets a bit of recognition. There was I don't know if you saw it on the on the te- on the well, it wasn't on the telly, was it? Um, but there was two two. Two moments at the end of the match. Obviously, the team come over right at the end, as they always do, and celebrate. And nobody wanted to leave. Nobody left the away end. Um, just brilliant, singing that song, singing the other songs. The team didn't want to go, and eventually, eventually, they they sort of turned to go. And there was that moment where it it was weird. You, there's a again a brilliant little clip on Twitter on the official Newcastle account, and you see it, and you see how, and it's like somebody has suddenly injected him with something. And he has this like rush of blood to the head, and he runs towards the away fans, and he he raises his fist, he pumps his fist, and he ra- pulls out both palms, and oh, it's just absolutely brilliant. I got emotional seeing that. And then, even better, you sort of think it can't get any better than that. That's the per- perfect sign-off. But of course, we are all living in Jason Tindall's world. And you know we're ju- we're just on loan in Jason Tindall's world, and Sven Botman pushes him back once, and then pushes him back twice, and then suddenly Tindall's running towards us, this gorgeous <laughs> permatanned, white-toothed pump lord, and he's like jumping up into the air, and he's pumping his fists, and it's like, yeah, no, that is the end of the season that we oh. that we need. It's quite nice because after being shoved twice, you generally have no idea if Tyndall's going to respond in that way or just turn around and thump you. Could have gone either way. Haters gonna hate, as he said last week. Haters gonna hate. An incredible season finished off with a with a big day. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, the best performance I would say Newcastle have put in this season. Kieran Trippier got slightly bored during the first half and decided to punch the ball into his own net. Uh, Chris just to liven things up a bit. Maybe it was an interesting one. That wasn't it. The defending again wasn't great. It was. I always find these last game of the seasons fascinating because 
It's like, as I say, I was watching Sky and, and loads of goals are going in. And so, oh, it's, it, loads of goals are going. It's unusual. This It's like every la- every final day of the season has this. Where you've got, I mean, the Southampton result where it was like fours each or whatever when they'd been 3-1 up. Yeah. It's like, this is what happened. You either have a really terrible game because nobody's bothered or just goals galore. And Newcastle, sort of the first half, it seemed to be quite open. And then second half, Chelsea sort of took control. And, and yeah, it was, it was basically party mode uh, for Newcastle. But really, I mean, really... by that stage third place had gone Man United had had, had come back and and, and win against Fulham having been behind but even so I mean yes it would have been nice in one sense to to finish third but it was really completely immaterial Newcastle have achieved all that they have they'd made the changes further that was a very weakened Newcastle team it was a very unusual Newcastle team barely anyone else in midfield other than Bruno Gimraes who's an actual out and out midfielder and actually the, the the best moment, I think, in many ways, other than Anthony Gordon getting his first goal, was was seeing Lewis Miley come on to make his his, his debut and, and that shot that he had, which hit the yeah, bar. Fantastic, uh, youngest ever Newcastle player in the Premier League, and I, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this lad because within the club they really do rate him very, very highly. I mean, just just to drag this down back down into the gutter, which is where I started this podcast <laughs> and really where I intended to keep it. <laughs> You know, um, the lads, the whole the whole club, they'd been in bongo bong, bingo all week. I'm mean, surprised they could only that they could see one football. I mean, it, you'd think they'd be seeing three footballs. I'm not surprised he try and handle it. Um, I just, it's brilliant. I mean, it didn't matter. The match didn't ma- matter in the slightest. To to be, you know, I, I, I suppose it makes me think back a bit to last season, where I know it it didn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like this at the end. But we were all thinking all the way through the last season it was going to come to to Burnley. And, you know, that was going to be a relegation shootout. And it wasn't like that at the end. This season, the jeopardy jeopardy that's been there has been about which European champ, uh, competition we're going to be in next season. And then for the last day, just to be this, this way of saluting the team, the way of saying thank you, just having a big party, not mattering in the slightest, was a thing of beauty in its own way. It was. It's been an absolutely monumental season. Uh, Let's have a little cheeky break and we'll be back in two minutes uh, to have a look back at that. then chaps roll out the red carpet and gather the great and the good the paparazzi and the hangers on because it's time for the potties the new badly misjudged name for our end of season awards let's get stuck into the glorious task of reviewing the season as a whole then uh, alan from work sends his apologies he would have loved to have been with us today but he did send us a quick recap of things from his perspective hello pod on the time this is alan from work with my review of the season Jesus, where do I start? From where we were, what, 18 months ago to where we are now, it's an incredible achievement. Such a difficult task to pick a player of the season wherever you look all over the team. Starting in goal, Nick Pope. Wow, I can only count two or three mistakes that he's made. Been phenomenal. Uh, Everything you would want in a goalkeeper, commanding in his box, takes the pressure off the defenders when the balls come in and come and collects those balls. No nonsense, gets rid of it when he has to and he's pulled off some superb saves. His shot stopping has been magnificent. Uh, left back, Big Dan fucking Burn. We love Big Dan Burn. He's us, he's one of us, he represents us, he's everything we like in a player. He gives everything, he's never going to let you down. 
You know what you're going to get from him. Share. Wow. The improvement in him, Botman, has been magnificent. Also, those two as a partnership most of the season been very tough, very hard, very clever. And yeah, Trippier, wow, the one for me, I think, who started it all off, the captain. If I have to name a player of the season, it's got to be Trippier, the way he leads from the front. Midfield, big Joe Linton, wow, the transformation. I don't think I've ever seen a change in a player. He is a beast of a midfielder. Takes no shit from anyone, as hard as nails. Scored his goals, uh, he's just been superb. Willick has just grown in every game, looks so comfortable now. Sean Longstaff, what a season. The biggest compliment I can pay him is Newcastle are not as good when he is not in the side. And other midfielders are not as good when he is not in the side. That's what he's done for Newcastle. Bruno, we've got Bruno in the middle. <laughs> uh, wow, he could play in any Premier League team and improve him, and I mean any. And I don't say that lightly. Isak, wow, looks so comfortable. Scored unbelievable goals. That assist at Everton, oh my fucking God, how good was that? Callum Wilson, magnificent. Scoring goals, looks comfortable, had a brilliant last few months looks on fire probably didn't want the season to end Miggy Almiron as well some of the goals that he scored early on in the season were just magnificent all the players that have come in and when they haven't been a regular they've come in and done their job whether that's Jacob Murphy or whoever whoever may that be let me get to the manager manager of the season for me Eddie Howe Wow, he's improved every single player. He's never flustered. He's always calm. He hasn't taken any shit from any manager or any football club. He's, did it. He's done it his way, which has just been superb. Eddie, we love you. What a job you've done. Long may that continue. Anyway, what a season. No one wants it to end. Champions League football. <laughs> Who would have thought Champions League football? No one would have thought that. Not even me. Not even the most optimistic Newcastle fan before ball was kicked would have thought we're going to get into the uh, into the top four. But we have, believe it or not, and let's hope we're there to stay. Roll on next season. Roll on the fucking Champions League. <laughs> have a good night, guys. All the best. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Sounds like Alan was having a good night. But, it certainly um, does, doesn't it? <laughs> that was just absolutely... It's quite fantastic. a sinister laugh he's got as well, wasn't it? It's quite... It's quite... <laughs> It's quite Sid James from the Carry On film, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, brilliant. brilliant! So much fun. Thanks for that, Alan. Do we need to say any more than that? I mean, maybe I that should it, just it. be that should just be it. <laughs> that should have been it. Yeah, that is amazing from Alan. Thank you for that, Alan. That's fantastic stuff. Uh, we did clear of the season last week, kind of, didn't we? And Alan's just done an excellent job of the overall picture in just a minute or two. Uh, but let's get into the nitty gritty, and we'll talk about our personal favourites first up. It's the Pope Award for infallibility, uh, undermined only slightly by the only players at Wembley leather gloves of glory, which go to Loris Carius. The goalkeeping department this season, they've been fantastic, haven't they? Uh, it has been in the main Nick Pope, and he's done such a good job, Chris, hasn't he? He has. I'm not going to go through what I did pre-Cup Final and explain how he got here with Loris Carius playing in that match. Please don't but, ever. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, how himself spoke about Pope, obviously he wasn't available for the final game of the season because Newcastle made sure that he, he had his, his surgery on his, his hand. He keeps dislocating his fingers to make sure he's hopefully ready for the start of next preseason. And he basically said that 
wasn't that Martin Dubravka had done anything wrong, but they had the chance to sign Nick Pope last summer. And I know there was a lot of question marks over that at the time. I wasn't entirely sure, is this really the priority of what Newcastle need to do? But A, the way he plays in terms of the sweeper-keeper style, the saves that he makes, I think, which was typified against Leicester, where he had nothing to do for 93 minutes, literally nothing to do for 93 minutes, then makes a wonderful save. He's been absolutely brilliant uh, and I think he's really has helped transform Newcastle into certainly for the first two thirds of the season what was very much the best defence in the Premier League Oh he's been he's been outstanding George I, I read that thing about him const- constantly dislocating his fingers in training and the way it was written down it it was written like he meant to do it like he was doing it on purpose Nick Nick could you just stop dislocating your fingers for five minutes please uh, and we'll get on with the rest of the season but he's been unreal hasn't he he's had a couple of brain farts here and there but in the main, yeah, what what a player, and so important. I mean, not just important about the world, you know, you know, the world class saves he's made, but also sort of sweeping up at the back as well. He's been very important um, doing that all season. Yeah, totally agree with Chris. It was like mm, that's an interesting signing. Is that really? If there's limited funds, is that really what we need? But he's blown that argument out of out of the water. He's been absolutely fabulous and obviously he also was trending on twitter in august so he was also of course hashtag nick pope nick pope, nick yeah. pope was the answer to everything wasn't it i mean he was. yeah i mean yeah answer to absolutely everything jacob from from an outside looking in perspective what was the what was the original thoughts when pope signed for newcastle did you think it was going to be uh, as as much of a success as it's turned out no well i thought that martin debravko was a really good goalkeeper so i was quite uh, a <laughs> Quite surprised. I heard an interesting thing actually a few months ago, which was that a uh, a Premier League club had done a study of all of the goalkeepers in the league, sort of ranking them and rating them, and they decided that out of all the keepers in the league, Nick Pope was actually the worst starting stopper. Now, that team has since been relegated, so I think it mm-hmm. shows the quality of that analysis because he's been fantastic all year. And also, I think, to rebound from the mistake against Liverpool, which would have been pretty difficult to deal with and the emotional low of missing Wembley, especially the last month or so, he's been great. Some of the saves, man. The one the one from Mateta at uh, Crystal Palace, that was, that was world-class. Absolutely world-class. I do think on a separate, I mean, in terms of the of the cup final, I know that it wasn't so much that... that Carrius made a mistake for any for either of the goals, but I do think psychologically the blow of losing Pope was huge that week, and I do you do you do wonder what it would have if it would have been different. I mean, the Castle weren't playing particularly whether that was the worst sort of spell of the season, but I do think that really was in hindsight a very big blow for Newcastle at the time. Anything to drag attention away from your letters, Chris? Anything else to blame? <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna interject here. Uh, I mean, this podcast will still be going on next season. If we don't rattle through the, we can't. We can't like spend ten minutes on every single. I mean, they have been mint, but can we like rattle through them a little bit quicker, please? Yes. Come on, come, come on. on, let's rattle. Uh, the Blythe Tower for on-field Geordieing and getting crucial goals goes to none other than Big Dan Burn George. It totally does. I mean, I'm sorry, Isaac Hayden, but I have a new love in a black and white shirt. I mean, I. Oh. I did settle on Kieran Trippier before the World Cup. I wrote about how much I loved him. But to be fair, I think we all love Dan. Big Dan fucking burn. <laughs> I mean, that's the one. Um, uh, <laughs> this is just fucking George, great. didn't you didn't you tell Dan Byrne that you loved him uh, in Ox- at Oxford Street in, in London and then dropped your phone? I then threw was my that, phone at him. The- I threw my phone at him. threw your phone at him, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because he came in, he came into the athletic office to go through a match with us during the World Cup. Yeah, he's just brilliant. He's 
he's totally men absolutely made up for him. I mean, he's you know they've they've had this sort of drive to to sort of emulate what what he saw as a kid. You know, I, I, and he struggles to get his head around it. He talks about this all the time. You know, actually being on the pitch to get Newcastle in the Champions League that he saw, you know, that he saw as a kid, Bobby's team. Just very, very special. I've said this loads of times. He plays like I would want to play. I mean, apart from being, you know, good at football, obviously. But he plays with that first game, last game man- mentality. He knows he's playing for his um, for his hometown team. It's just... And he's just such a sound lad. He always stops to talk afterwards. Um yeah, brilliant. So, George, you've just uh, pulled us up and said, can we rattle through and do these as quick as possible? And then you've sat there and spouted for a good four minutes about Dan Byrne. No, you, you spent about ten minutes talking about Nick Pope when we all spoke about him. I'm just saying we should do one each and crack on like that. It's the worst thing anyone's ever done at an award ceremony since it Kanye is. West stole the mic off Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yo, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. We've 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 got to do our own little odes to all these players. It's very very easy because they're very very good. We don't have to have a massive chat about it. Come on, we've got loads to talk about. Right. Okay. Moving on. Um, sponsored by Just for Men, it's the sexy Swiss stopper salva twinned with the delicious Dutch defence dish. Uh, try saying that after a couple of beers. A dynamic duo, indeed. Jacob, Sven, Botman, and Fabian share. What a partnership! What a partnership! I mean, the fact that they've just come in this season—it's their first year of playing together as a duo—and how well they've gelled. I think they've been helped by being one of the most consistent pairings in the Premier League but then also they dovetail so well together you've got Cher just pinging out those delicious balls and you've got Botman just not letting anyone pass he's like a nightclub bouncer um, <laughs> that kind of duo is delicious and I think that they've been very unlucky in player of the year discourse uh, Botman in particular absolutely Crystal's partnerships are key aren't they across the pitch they're all over the place for Newcastle but that has been a, a top-notch partnership it has I mean Sharon Byrne was a brilliant one during the second half of last season and then they've come in and, and obviously Dan Byrne's moved to left back and so it's, it's been that sort of trio and I also don't think is there a I mean not I suppose centre-backs probably not the best com- position to compare this to given the sort of uh stereotype what a centre-back looks like, but surely they're the best-looking centre-back pairing in the Premier League by a country mile. Not a broken nose between them, is there? <laughs> by the way, Beautiful. You, you told me to hurry up, right, when I was talking about Dan, and the thing that I didn't, that I meant to mention is that he's been playing for a long time now with a dislocated shoulder. And at left-back. Yeah, and fucking hell, and at left-back. And he, he pulled up against Leicester at one You could see he was in sort of some discomfort, and I'm sure everyone's seen the strapping that he has on on that part of his body when he walks off the pitch and his shoulder keeps popping out during matches and he's got a tear at the back of his shoulder and you know I love that same with Bruno playing on with injuries they just all want to stay in the team they want to be part of it yeah sorry I just wanted to mention that because I think that's that's pretty special that is special Uh, and I'll tell you what else has been special this season Uh, and this one has got two sponsors because one wasn't enough Uh, and it's the Sean Longstaff Award (laughs) for covering every blade of grass Uh, brought to you by Duracell and Energizer Batteries George Sean Longstaff has been sensational hasn't he Longstaff is very good yeah and and he's been he is absolutely one of the stories of the season one of the big stories of the season He's been brilliant. He's the energy. He's the drive of the team. He runs all day. I love that. And I love the fact how he's he's come from, you know, not being not being in the team, 
close to leaving. I did a big interview with him a couple of weeks ago, three or three or four weeks ago, and you know he could have joined. Um, he could have joined Jacob's beloved Everton, um, and I'm so pleased he stayed. He's the heartbeat of the team. They're not the same without him there, as Alan from work pointed out. And yeah, I just you know one of those things he said in the interview. I don't know whether he's been out on town in in town yet with Dan and Jacob Murphy. All of them wearing their cowboy hats, but I, I just I long to see those pictures. Long to see those pictures. Apparently, you can go for a cowboy brunch. I've heard somewhere where you do bottomless cowboy brunch. They play country music, and everyone wears stetsons. I'd imagine they'd fit in quite nicely there. That sounds like a great day out. Uh, right then, Chris, Brazilian international shit of the year award goes to none other. Then our favourite redemption story, it's Joe Linton, and he's topped it off this week with his first ever call-up to Brazil as well. Joe Linton! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to have a bit of Matt Ritchie there, my, yeah. That's one of my favourite things yeah. of the season, that. I love it. But it feels long overdue in many ways that the, the Brazil call-up, I think he was unlucky not to go to the World Cup in some ways. I mean, Brazil have a heck of a lot of players, but I don't think they have many very good players, sorry, but I don't have, think they have many who does what can do what Joe Linton does. And I mean, again, he's played so many positions when he's been asked to be a left-sided forward. He's been excellent there. In midfield, the number of times that he just bustles through people, how he hasn't had even more yellow cards than he's had, 11 or 12, whatever it is. He probably should have had about 25. Um, but he's just <laughs> how I quite liked Howe's uh, description of him basically saying he's, he's a sort of person he runs through brick walls every every game and eventually basically uh, the brick wall sort of sort of ended his, ended his season early when he when he went down with the injury uh, a couple before the end of the season but really important Newcastle get him back ready for next year I went for Kieran Trippi in the end of play on the season but I think that between him and Bruno Guimaraes were very close as well because Joel Linton no matter where he plays he is vital to everything Newcastle does and he's, he's the archetypal how physical, energetic, all action player, and and he's just yeah, he's just such a such a brilliant story as we keep saying. George from failing centre forward to box to box maestro, it's it, it's some turnaround that isn't it? My God, we've we've spoken about it a few times, but it's still beggars belief for how what he's done. I don't think there's a bigger turnaround in Newcastle's history. I mean, I can't imagine who it would be or who it could be. I just I just don't think. I mean, to be what he was he was a symbol of everything that was sort of wrong about the club that wasn't his fault but you know signed with no head coach in place against the advice of the previous manager put in at number nine a position he wasn't suited for and he was a joke and he's whatever the opposite of a joke is what is the opposite of a joke just a serious statement of fact really something really serious yeah. Yeah. and he's a monster he's he is so good and you know he's loved within the dressing room they call him joe and joey and all the rest of it he's absolutely fitted in perfectly yeah i love him uh, jacob let's let's talk about his compatriot in that midfield um the hype man award for a strong twitter game celebrating small moments with the crowd and just generally running the show has to go to bruno gimaraes doesn't it what a season he's had yeah i'm pleased you mentioned the strong twitter game i was very thrilled that he liked one of my tweets for oh, wow. morning just fairly re- fairly reifying that status as of king of twitter um <laughs> No, he's been brilliant. I like the way that he is both silky and has bite to him. Yeah. And there's very few players who actually combine. Generally, you get all bite, all silk. This man's got both. Playing for injury, as was mentioned earlier. I mean, the playing through injury is a big thing, but actually, you look at the statistics and it's always dangerous just to pick it on if one player plays or doesn't play. But when Bruno Gimaraes doesn't play, Newcastle don't win games. And 32 times he's played this season, Newcastle... 
I've got a 59.4% win uh, percentage, 2.1 points per game. They concede fewer goals when he plays, they score more, and they haven't won any of the six he hasn't featured, and he is vital for everything that they do. And to have placed it, as I said, went to Chelsea and basically was the only midfielder. He's he's huge for them, and he is... He is if, if he keeps up like this, he, 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 there is no question that he is genuinely bordering on world-class now. And I think if he continues with this, he is, he is world-class. What a statement from Alan from work to say that he would fit into any team in the Premier League. Any team. And I don't think he's wrong. He is absolutely 100%. He's our difference maker. He is the one that makes the team tick. You're right. You know, I think Newcastle have moved beyond that point now where, you know, they needed a St. Maximat or they needed a Callum Wilson because they just would not win without them. And, you know, there was always that fear during, you know, the Steve Bruce era that if they were absent, Newcastle could not hope to win a game. I think Newcastle now have resilience uh, across the pitch, but he absolutely is uh, a wonderful footballer. He is world-class and, yeah, totally right. As Jacob said, he's got that bit of spite about him as well, which just, yeah, love to see that. Right then, let's move on. Uh, on to Joe Willock, the OG. He gets a holiday, I think. He has earned it. Oh, that still uh, hasn't gone away, the OG. Still going on. The OG, do you remember that, Chris? No. Do you remember the OG? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I do. Does, yeah, Jacob, know, does Jacob know this? No. no idea. No idea. I mean, Jacob, to cut a long story short, it's basically Chris being really stupid, so we can move on. <laughs> But um, no, if you've heard Will- one, you've heard them all. In an interview, in a very good interview that Chris did with um, um, that Willock, he referred to John Joe Shelby, I think, as the OG. Now, anybody with a rudimentary knowledge of hip hop, like myself, um, of course, George, someone. Yeah. No, I t- totally am. I'm a big Absolutely, fan of. Yeah. I am. I've you seen. Are, you are what all the kids would call street, <laughs> aren't you? Let's be honest. I'm the original OG. Um, I've seen Body original, Count original and Ice at Newcastle University. Original gangster. I love hip-hop, actually, so you can stick that up your pipe. But um, Willock said OG in relation to John Joe Shelby, and Chris said, oh, what does that stand for? Something like Old Geezer. And it was like, no, it's original, original gangster. Fucking hell. It's excruciating. Right? Oh, God. It's how many excruciating moments. But one thing I want to say about Willock is that Spoke to Dan Byrne, and we'll hear from him a bit later. And he did go through, he he went through the whole squad because he loves the team so much and all that, blah, blah, blah. The thing he said about Willock is that he's disappointed on his behalf because he, he would and should have got an England call-up this summer. And I, 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 that just, it would have been warranted. It would have been justified. Um, so I'm sad. I mean, he did say, he made a quite very funny comment. He sort of said that on the pitch, um, he is constantly screaming at him, in terms of where to stand at set pieces, where to go and what to do. And I think I think Willock, in particular, is someone who has benefited from having such a diligent coach as Eddie Howe, someone who can tell him where to be at the right time. And then he looks like a proper footballer again. He needs that guidance. And Jason and Tindall barking at him on the touchline, as we've said. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. And Tindall <laughs> and Mad Dog too. He needs yeah. that. He needs that guidance. But when he's got it, my God, what a what a player he is. That 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 outside of the foot pass for uh, for Isaac in the in the Spurs game. Never forget that. What a moment that was. 
Right then, speaking of moments that you'll never forget in Alexander Izak, the ecstatic disbelief award for tapping the ball into an empty net after your teammate has beaten every opposition player multiple times and then subsequently wearing that emotion all over his face for the rest of the season. Jacob Whitehead. Jacob Murphy, your namesake. What a player. What a, what an absolute dude he's turned into. Dude of a day. Is the fact of a kind of one of my first games covering Newcastle was the FA Cup game at Sheffield Wednesday. And after that, there were supporters really criticising Murphy and sort of saying they didn't think he should be near the first team squad and it was only a small part of the sport but Murphy has emphatically proved that wrong kind of he came in at quite a difficult point of the season he was a key part of Newcastle stringing off that run of consecutive winning games which ultimately has powered them to the top four capped off by that performance against Tottenham and that disbelief I think was great because it must have just been so relatable to every fan after that goal absolutely incredible more i mean the, th- the 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 thing that i'm most pleased about for jake murphy is the fact that he's a boyhood newcastle fan and he's worked his way back into the team and he's played his heart out every time he's on the pitch you can tell it means so much to him and he's been brilliant he's he's came back after like like you say it he was getting pelters from all all angles uh, at one point in the season. Obviously, he was brought in for quite a lot of money by Rafa Benitez, and then it didn't work out. He went out on loan. I'm so made up for him, honestly. I'm I'm so made up for him, George. I'm I'm, I'm beaming for him. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's he has been one of the sort of figureheads this season, hasn't he? He's been, um, I mean, some absolutely hilarious moments uh, on the pitch as well. King Shithouse, as I um, as I um, fondly fondly call him waving off players and uh, all the rest of it and brilliant another one of the cowboys along with uh, along with Sean and Dan and looked like a lost footballer at one point and now he's integral how loves him the energy he brings the quality he brings he's a footballer he's ours we love him we have to go to Chris Woff apparently for this next bit Another goal of the season entrant, Miguel Almiron, gets a purple heart for having a huge heart and the very purplest of purple patches. Chris Woff. Miguel Almiron. Just try, Chris. Come on. <laughs> try. No, I just yeah. try. I'm going to try and actually put some revisionism into this podcast here and say that actually I've never been disappointed that Miguel Almiron has done so well. I doubted that he could, and I was wrong. And he, for the first two thirds of the season, he was absolutely sensational, and I mean, he was he was a goal machine, and still don't believe that necessarily the goal at Fulham was deliberate, but the vast majority of the rest of them were. What else is he trying to do? He's a bundle. He, oh, we're not going back there. We're not going back there. Come on, <laughs> this, please, he- please, no. Let's. I just want to say to Ollie, our producer, a brilliant producer. Can you the bit there where Chris just said, "I was wrong." Can you please just clip that up and replay that? repeatedly throughout this podcast and in fact every other podcast that follows thank you oh man he turned you know what, it around but, but, all, Chris, but he? He, he, he and the, i mean the, the the smile the the just the general disposition that he has everyone was is so delighted that that someone who for the first few years of his Newcastle career certainly in front of goal it just hadn't quite worked out and that purple patch was the most purple of purple patches because it was so different to what had come before. Now, I hope that 
it can be sustained going forward. He's, he's another player who's been transformed by Eddie Howe. He's so crucial. You could see the Howe wanting to get him back in the team when he could once he regained his fitness and he was very important in those last couple of victories. And so, yes, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And I, and I am delighted for him. And I'm also delighted that the final goal, or the, 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 the only goal that was scored, or the first goal, sorry, that was scored against Leicester last week was by his son, after the full-time whistle. <laughs> that was lovely. That was lovely. And that I mean, to, if I'm now to slightly um, contradict myself, uh, if we do look at the Chelsea game, he should have had a hat-trick or he could easily have had a hat-trick oh, or yeah. certainly a couple of goals. And that was that was a bit of old-school Miggy we saw there. But um, he's so infectious. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully that can continue because it's his energy. That pace and energy is so crucial to what Newcastle do. Absolutely. Uh, right, another player with plenty of pace and plenty of energy, George. Uh, Alan Maxman. he gets our message of love, doesn't he? We want him to stay. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to sort of answer this one because there was, a, there was a lovely moment as Newcastle lined up for a corner in front of the away end yesterday and fans sang his name. Of course they did. And he tapped his chest and then they did it again and he tapped his chest again. There is still that lovely relationship between fans and St. Maximan, he's had such a frustrating season with fitness and injury and not being able to get back into the team. Dan Byrne said last week he hasn't kicked up a fuss behind the scenes. That's good that he's shown a lot of maturity. One, you know, the one thing that I've always questioned is that, and I've said this before, if intensity is your identity, does St. Maximan fit into that? I think he's shown this season that he can. But equally, it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer. But yeah, we love him. I think he. I think he showed. I think he showed against Chelsea that he can do it. And um, but the thing that you would hope for him is that he can stay fit and stay injury free because it's been a really disruptive season for him. It has. Uh, right then, let's all have a little go on answering this one. Uh, Alexander Isak and Callum Wilson share the Nobel Prize for goals. Organiser still a little bit concerned at having them both on stage at the same time. Uh, Jacob, let's go to you first. Alexander Isak and Callum Wilson had their own little battle, didn't they? Callum Wilson came out on top, uh, top scorer at the end of the season. But what a season for both of them. No, they've been great. And um, it's interesting, that battle. I asked Eddie Howe a few weeks ago, kind of, if they'd been teaching each other things in training, kind of loaning off each other like sponges. And he took a moment and just sort of said, they're both just pretty competitive. It sounds as if there's no, yeah, pure competition only. But you can see that and it's paying off for Newcastle. And there was a, a lovely moment in, I reckon, early April when both were in this purple patch. And this battle next season is going to be pretty incredible because you feel like Isaac is going to have to be in the team somewhere. Yeah. And so can you... Does that mean that and Newcastle have a surplus of left wingers, and so where does that leave the starting eleven? So that conversation of who's going to start the first Champions League game to fast forward six months is going to not even six months, four months is really going to be quite the conversation. This is what you need, though, Chris, isn't it? You need two quality players like this pushing each other and testing each other and driving for the same goal. You do, and Newcastle are going to need to, I mean, Eddie Howe's already said himself, he's going to have to rotate more next season because Newcastle have more games and yeah. and higher level of, of matches. And during that that purple patch for both of them in April, I just thought it was, it was brilliant because every time Isak was, was asked about it, he would sort of like praise Wilson. Every time Wilson was asked about it, he, he wouldn't refer to Alexander Isak by name. And B, <laughs> basically at one stage he said, yeah, well, I think he's more, he was asked to 
correctly about him. He said, I think he's more of a winger than a forward reach. So, yeah, we probably could play together. And basically him, <laughs> him, him just punting Isak out to the left wing, which eventually he was moved out there. And it, it's a very, very tough one because Wilson is more of an out-and-out goal scorer. I think Isak has added those goals to his game this year and he has had prolific spells throughout his career, but it isn't what he's done all the time, whereas Wilson is very much the finisher. Isak, though, I think brings so much to the team and I think that it has been diluted a little bit when he's been out wide on the left from the start of matches. So it is a difficult balance, but it's a wonderful problem to have. Any other club, in the anyone barman city would love to have the issues that Newcastle have, if you want to call it an issue, between Isak and Wilson. Wilson is a centre-forward. He's a proper centre-forward. And Isak is a modern forward. And, you know, he's fluid. He's able to play across the front. And he, he can do that. He can move out wide. I mean, I love both of them. I I think, you know, it's fantastic that Wilson had that great start to the season, got into the England squad. He obviously suffered a bit after that. And I think suffered with fitness after that. You know, we were openly speculating on, on the pod about... He'd lost a yard of pace. He'd seemed to have, you know, he'd lost that sort of fitness and that snap, and that caused the problems. But the way he came back was just brilliant. And yeah, you talk about sort of April. There were those matches against West Ham and Brentford, where for a while there was this thing of, you know, the team absolutely giving their all for an hour, and then these reinforcements coming on the pitch and coming onto the pitch with proper ferocious anger. And Wilson came onto the pitch, fucking pissed off. I mean, I mean that in a good way. I mean, and he he spread that around the opposition, and I loved it. And he's ended the season with an absolutely brilliant tally of goals, fantastic. And you know, Isak is a glorious is a glorious footballer. Offers so much. Yeah, the assist or non-assist for Murphy's goal, just you know, a, a moment that will stay for the ages. But you just with Wilson, if he can stay fit, then. Um, Newcastle have a real, you know, they have a real proper centre forward on their on their hands. That is the problem with him, though. Can he do that? Um, but yeah, no, I've I've loved loved watching both of them. They're they're different footballers, but they offer so much. Just in terms of if we if we were pushed to pump for one of them, Isak only played basically half the season. But because he did something I've never seen anyone else do on a football pitch, I would just go for Isak because the the Everton assist that wasn't is still one of the most sensational things I've ever seen in a football pitch. So The fact that's managed to get Jacob Murphy a goal of the season <laughs> nomination on match of the day is something else, isn't it? That is just brilliant. Absolutely superb. Isak down the left wing as they look to get a fourth Newcastle into the corner. He's taking on two. Oh, he's beaten them. It's wonderful skill from Isak. What a run, Alexander Isak. It's going to oh! go in. It's Jacob Murphy. <laughs> Murphy has scored. Isak gets all the congratulations after some absolutely incredible skill. Right then, Elliot Anderson has his goal uh, at Forest restored and gets a bonus beautiful body goodie bag. A fine figure of a young man, Chris. Such a shame for him to get that goal chalked off, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, rightly restored because um, it would have been hilarious if it if it, if it was just just given retrospectively. Um, because it was, I mean, it was wonderful. But he came on, and he, he changed that game, and that was he's had. 
a season where it's been largely a frustration because he hasn't had as many minutes as he wanted. He had a lot of injuries in the first half of the season. Then his first ever Premier League start is when Nick Pope gets sent off and so he gets withdrawn after 20-odd minutes because Newcastle are down to 10 men. Yeah. But I think you saw in the last few games of the season when injuries had affected Joe Willock and Joel Linton and, and, and Anderson had to play that he very much looks looks the point. He didn't look out of place, and that was in midfield where they don't think he's necessarily ready yet. They think he's more of a wide player at the moment, and he had to have some minutes in midfield, so a very big future ahead of him. Hopefully he gets more minutes next season because Newcastle are going to be stretched even further with the games that they've got, and even though they're looking for midfielders, there will be rotation. And yeah, that, that Forrest, cruel that he was denied that, but got the assist at Chelsea and uh, thought he played very well in the first half. Absolutely right, Jacob. Uh, Anthony Gordon did get his goal, but he also gets a pack of Bic razors so he can get rid of that monstrous uh, moustache of his on his top lip. Yeah, he came in, didn't he, halfway through the season? He struggled at times, but there is a player there, isn't there? Yeah, I feel empathy for him. Boyhood Everton fan, has to move to Newcastle, works with some very strange colleagues, which he has to deal with. But, yeah, no, Gordon's what, battled what's through. What's he saying? Is he, hang on. What? <laughs> What's he saying? You just picked that up there, didn't you, George? What's he saying? I think he meant you and Chris, to be honest. Wow. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it open. Um, Just on that, before you go on, Jacob, Jacob did message me earlier to say that he's got friends visiting this weekend and that rather than going to pubs, he's going clubbing in Newcastle. And did I have anywhere I could recommend? As if I have any idea about any. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to the pub on Friday. Chris is just going Chris. to send him a list of CIU clubs, isn't he? Oh, they've got a good key draw in there. The only six-year-old, the only six-year-old, thirty-year-old you could ever make. I thought Chris was young and hip and relevant, but I mean, I give off that impression very much. Yeah. So yeah, but... he is young, but he's hip replacement. Yeah. The only tablets that Chris is guzzling uh, at midnight on a Saturday are heartburn remedies, aren't they, Chris? That, that did backfire on Chris. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, walked right into that, didn't you? Anthony Gordon, Jacob. Anthony Gordon, he's been good, hasn't he? Yeah, and um, Dan Byrne actually spoke really well about him in that he sort of talks about the difficulty of coming into this machine which Eddie Howe has turned Newcastle into and kind of needing to feel your way. Like, it's easy to forget this is his second full season of senior football. Yeah. And in that time, he's been contending with Everton relegations, different managers playing all sorts of different positions, a weight of expectations from two sets of fan bases... Um, all of which while you're trying to form a professional career. Um, Newcastle saw something in him, they paid a lot of money for him, and I was pleased that in this final game of the season, playing out of position again, he showed a taste of what he can do. It's, there's a really nice, if you kind of watch the start of that goal, he starts his sprint into the box at about halfway and does not let up. And it shows, I guess, A, kind of the footballing intelligence which he can bring to it, and B, just kind of that, desire in that last game of the season we've joked about it being on the beach that he wanted to get into the box wanted to score how said he wanted to have this pre-season with him and how good could he be after that and some of those signs were shown on Sunday yeah I think that's a very good point I mean Burn Burn said it's very difficult to play in this team if you don't know exactly what your role is and if you're not you know if you're not starting every week if you're coming into a team mid-season it's very difficult just to pick that up I think that's a very good point but if you then look at Almiron if you then look at Willock, if you then look at Longstaff, all those players that, after not necessarily being in- integral, who then had that pre-season under Howe, look at them go this season. So, you know, I'd feel very confident that next season we'll see a very different, focused, 
Anthony Gordon, who knows exactly where he's supposed to play and know exactly what he's going to do. And that is uh, that is a very exciting prospect. Should we do the song again? Do the song. Anthony Gordon, Gordon, going down, down the wing. Gordon, Gordon make the, the Geordie sing. Gordon, good, excellent. Uh, right, George, we'll stay with you. Um, let's uh, list a few players here. Matt Ritchie, Paul Dummett, Martin Dubravka, Matt Target, Javier Mancure, Jamal Lewis, Mark Gillespie, Ryan Fraser, Emil Kraft and Harrison Ashby. They all get gongs as well. Every single one of them a winner. Uh, it's very much been a squad effort, hasn't it? And some of those players haven't played an awful lot, but they've all been important. Um, no. Maybe one or two of them haven't been. <laughs> no, I'm going to insist that Ryan Fraser is, is um, taken off that list, actually. Was not in the War Flags banner either, was he? No, and uh, yeah. It's not I, on the front page of the programme. wasn't on either, the programme, yeah. The point that we're making here is actually a very, is a, it's absolutely true. Something else that everybody connected to the team, the squad, have said this season, that those people who aren't in the team on a, on a, on a, on a weekly basis have all played a huge role in keeping standards on the training pitch. People like Lascelles, people like Ritchie in particular. Dan, you know, Byrne was, as you would expect, was very funny about Matt Ritchie saying he's had a bust up at some point with everybody this season. But they love him. He's part of it. He's driving everybody. It must be tough for him, you know, not to be playing every week here after being so important for so for so long. How do you think he expends his energy at the minute? What do you think he does in terms of that pent up frustration that he has? Well know? just hitting hitting himself in the face repeatedly. <laughs> I, I I don't know. But same question about you, Chris, at the moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Metro chasing. I think he chases Metros. <laughs> <laughs> he says like he's he, he says I've got no idea how he like fills his he's like he does triathlons. He plays tennis. He's like he does all this. So he must actually have to Get that energy out somehow, <laughs> but yeah, we have to. I'm afraid we do have to. Not being sour about it, we do have to remove Ryan Fraser from that list. We shouldn't forget that since earlier this this year, he's been training with the under twenty ones, um, because Eddie Howe said he only wanted people around who were committed to Newcastle. Now that's that's sad, really, because there's been such a fantastic mentality around the team, around the squad. They care about each other. You know, we shouldn't forget, you don't have to get on and love each other to be a successful team. And um, we've seen that in plenty of big teams over the years, but they do, and it's beautiful and it's precious. And for whatever reason, he's not been part of it. So he can go, and, you know, that is only his loss. It just shows you, though, doesn't it, George? It, if you don't buy into what Eddie Howe wants to do, and you don't, you know, you don't get on with it, and you don't pull your weight, that's it. You're out. You're done. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, he's he's worked with Fraser before at Bournemouth, and I think, you know, so it's not like doesn't know him. And anyway, I don't, you know, I don't want this to be be negative because I think the overall point is absolutely spot on that all those people around the fridges, uh, fringes, around the fridges, around the fridges, around the fridges, <laughs> around the fridges. <laughs> Uh, they, they do have to watch their weight during the season. Yeah, so they I'd do. Imagine we'll all they be do. around the fridge they now. Yeah. No, they've 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 been really important. And yeah, they sometimes people like that get get stickers. Like, why are they still here? What are they doing? They've all bought into it. They've played a part. So we say thank you to them too. 
Absolutely. And bridging the gap between players and management, uh, there's confirmation of Kieran Trippier's Player of the Season award, Chris. Uh, the original man who started it all off, the first transfer under the under the new ownership. Uh, and what a magnificent signing he's been. A standard bearer for the Newcastle United squad and just all round a brilliant bloke and brilliant footballer. Started every single Premier League game as well, I believe. Impressive that, only, out, only outfield player. I mean, we, we went into that in depth last week just listen to that podcast to explain exactly why we think he should have been player of the season and then he was given the club's player of the season award and him the leadership that he's shown alongside the rest of the leadership team and alongside Jamal I get booked as a substitute twice a season Lascelles um yeah wonderful and the fact that what I what he also found is every single time Lascelles did come on and Trippier went off Trippier went across and sorry when Trippier and he came on Trippier would give him the armband would actually go across and give Lascelles the armband and he was asked before the cup final, about would he would Lascelles lift the trophy with him, and he said Jamal is the captain, um, and that that again shows that he isn't trying to to be above himself. He's he, he is someone who wants to, everyone to be a part of it, and he recognises the important role that the likes of Lascelles and others have had off the pitch. So yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Yeah, we just love Kieran Trippier. Still, it's still a pinch yourself thing for me every now and again that he, I mean, you know, that he came to Newcastle in the first place. He was that statement signing someone you know prepared in England international winner of La Liga prepared to drop down to the foot of the table uh, not for mega money and you know that he saw something same for Bruno no relegation clauses astonishing and he is the heartbeat of the team brilliant from set pieces just the captain absolutely wonderful wonderful player don't get sick of watching him and yeah as he says every match pressure is a privilege Beautiful. Jacob, up there at the top of all of the chances created charts, Kieran Trippier as well. He he's not just a right back, is he? He's a he's a marauding full back up and down the pitch, putting in crosses. Uh superb stuff from him. No, if I should rename him, he's not a right back, he's a right back at you. He just pings right back up oh, the like end of a pitch. Oh. This is why chances, this is why but... you came in. This is why we need people like you, Jacob. This is why I probably won't have a job come uh, when I'm ready to come back from paternity leave. Uh, it's about time that Jacob contributed something to this podcast, I think. But um yeah, that was good. I like that. Right back at you. I right like back that. at you. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Lovely stuff. Let's move on. We've got a little bit more to get through before we finish off here. Eddie Howe, Manager of the Year, George. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Uh, manager of the decade, Manager of the century, Manager of our hearts. Manager of my heart, King yeah. of, King of um, <laughs> he's just brilliant. And, uh, you know, I talked earlier about that sort of emotional, sort of little emotional uh, thing that, that happened at the end of Chelsea. One of the things that kind of gets me is that he's seen something in this team and he's seen something in this club that we'd forgotten about. And that is that sort of fuck you mentality. We just didn't see that coming when he arrived. And um, he's turned Newcastle not just into a really, really, really good football team. And I'm going to repeat that for people, if there is the odd non-Newcastle fan listening. Newcastle are a really, really, really good football team. I mean that in the purest sense of the word. But they're really, really good at football. They play on the front foot. They play attractive, attacking football. They're aggressive. They're in your face. They know how to slow a game down. They know how to win a game, but they are really good at football and they're up there with anything that I've seen in my life watching Newcastle. They're brilliant. And they reflect something about us and they reflect something about him and there's this hardness to him. And I go back to the start of the season, sitting in very, very fortunate to sit in on his interview with Alan Shearer and him saying, I'm not here to just exist. I'm not here to be liked. 
I'm not here to be anybody's second team. I'm here to compete. And he saw that in us. And, you know, he's not demonstrative. He's not Bobby. He's not lovable like that. He's not Keegan. He's not like the Pied Piper. But he sort of inspires this incredible devotion. And I think we, we love him. We've fallen in love with him. And, you know, yeah, I think he's incredibly special. And we're very lucky to have him. Just to pick up on that point, and the thing that fascinates me about Eddie Howe as well is that when George says that he's tapped into this and he understands what Newcastle fans want and he's really been able to to, to really capitalise on that is, if you actually think about Howe, and he's there, so he did that show of emotion in front of the away end on the 3,000 away fans on yesterday, but then if you actually think about Eddie Howe and those 3,000 away fans, can you think of a bigger juxtaposition between Eddie Howe, the man who said earlier this season about how he's going to go home and celebrate? You might have a, you might have a biscuit with a cup of tea and you have 3,000 pissed up Newcastle fans there for a weekend bender. And the first thing Eddie Howe will have done after the game yesterday was go back and think, right, how are we going to attack next season? It's just oh, he'll astonishing. He'll have watched it again. Yeah, exactly. He'll have watched it again, the most meaningless yeah. game of football. He'll have watched yeah. it again. Oh no, trips could have been ten yards further at the pitch. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, that's it. You know, I I I do hope. I mean, and I, I you know, I've, I, I'm not afraid of admitting this. I've said this to him. I hope that he does at some point. You know, that he is able to t- take a step back and sort of appreciate. You know what he's done and what he's unleashed, and all that feeling. I mean, it's an extraordinary achievement what he's managed to do, not just last season, this season as well. And, you know, he, he again, he, he talked with Shearer about sort of being motivated by fear. And I think that's kind of quite interesting. That's an interesting sort of insight into his personality that there's that fear constantly hanging over him. And he, he described it as a fear of tomorrow. And again, that's like weird because for us, tomorrow feels like the most incredible thing possible. It's like it takes us one day closer to the Champions League or it takes us one day closer to the next match and we know we're going to enjoy it and we know we're going to like revel in it. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I do, I love that little moment because it sort of, it showed that he was absolutely in tune with us and he deserved it and he deserves, he deserves much else as well. I don't think Eddie Howe's the kind of fella who will switch off, but if anybody deserves a break, it's him for the for the work that he's put in this season. Uh, that fella, that relegated Bournemouth, uh, is going to the Champions League with Newcastle United. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, he will be beaten to his handshake uh, for his award, though, by Jason Tindall, obviously. <laughs> uh, the greatest showman uh, award for him, for which he picks up a mahogany bust, no doubt, in the image of Jason Tindall. Thrown uh, on the stage that's... by Sven Botman as well, just as he was in front of him. <laughs> Uh, he's been important though, hasn't he? He's been, he's been something else, and uh, and we love Jason, and we love the work he does, and he's uh, he's Eddie Howe's uh, guard dog on the touchline, isn't he? Patrolling the uh, the technical area with a snarl. Well, I mean, I, we, I think I think we do have to say about him, you know, we don't. He's not. He isn't a he isn't a joke figure. He's a very substantive and serious figure uh, within the training ground. Yes, he's the light to Eddie Howe's sort of intensity. I think that's fair to say. Dan Byrne said, "Yes, they are starting to call him Mad Dog these days. He, he has a, he makes them laugh, you know. And apparently, they're very funny together, as you would sort of imagine, because um, there, there must be a sort of Morecambe and Wise element to that to that kind of relationship. But he works very, uh, he works in great detail with the defence in particular. He, you know, he isn't just a wind, you know, a wind a wind up merchant on the touchline, although he does that very very well." Um, so yeah, I think we have to say that you know there is a there's a there's a ser- very serious person there, someone who's been through been with uh, Hal through some very difficult times at the start of their career, and you know 
Eddie Howe wouldn't keep a clown beside him. He just wouldn't. Um, but we've we've loved that sort of narrative off the pitch. It's been so funny. And if it winds up, other other players, other teams, other managers, fucking bring it on. Absolutely. I can't get that image on my head now of Howe and Tyndall in bed together with their pyjamas on, going through tactics a la Morgan and Wise. I think that's something I'd love to see. That's brilliant. Uh, right, any more for any more chaps? Any more before we move on? That's quite enough, surely. I think that's quite enough of that shit, isn't it? Definitely. Let's get on with it. Uh, Get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. We'll be back to round things up in just a moment. Well, that was all very silly, wasn't it? Uh, Still, there's a serious point behind it all. It has been a truly remarkable season of football from essentially everyone at Newcastle United. Uh, Eddie Howe and his whole staff have managed to capture lightning in a bottle, but now it's all over. And as we talked about last week, there will now be a feeling of sadness that this all must come to an end. Uh, George, you managed to grab Dan Byrne for a quick chat after the final whistle after the Leicester game, didn't you? Yeah, and it was a bit more than a quick chat in the end because it was something that he'd actually said after Brighton and I wanted to develop it. It was something also that Sean had talked about when I interviewed him, talking about that sort of sense of sadness as the season um, neared its conclusion because, you know, it's not as if Newcastle are going to sign 25 new players and sell 20 players. The bulk of the players who are there now will, will be there. But each season is its own little thing isn't it and the class of 22 23 are very very special they're very very tight they're together and it's going to change it has to change it changes every summer and he talked about that sort of sadness and he wanted to pay a tribute to all of his teammates in fact we did pretty much what we've just done on the podcast and gone through gone through sort of all the players and and he offered a bit of insight and he just said he said that he loved them he loved them and um yeah, so I I wanted to pay tribute to this team as well, and um, this is what this is what Dan said. Yeah, I think I've always had that every single year. I think you, you spend so much time with each other. Like I, I see these lads sometimes in a, more than I see my own family. You get to spend so much time with them. We've done a lot away from football as well, and you could become sort of like brothers. But you always know that the next season, like it doesn't matter what happens, it's never going to be the same as it was the year before. So people will leave. That's just football and we'll, and we'll bring new people in. It'll never ever be the same group. And I think when you feel like you've, I would say, been successful this season, I know we've not won anything, but for where we've been and how far we've come, like we've achieved so much. And it's like, yeah, I love this team. Yeah, I love everything about it. I just think to never play in a team like this before where just everyone wants, wants you to do so well. I think I've noticed that when I first came, like even playing a lot of teams where you can sort of feel not bitterness, but obviously everyone wants to play and only yeah, 11 yeah, people yeah, can. Yeah. So, like, and everyone thinks they should be playing. That's just natural. That's football. But I think with such a sort of togetherness and with team, some of the characters we've got in here and stuff, I just don't think that you'd I'd, I'd have that anywhere else. When the whistle went, I was buzzing, but I just saw, I don't think I'll really, like, I'll really kick in until the season's done. I think, like, fucking hell, like, I'll just get to the Champions League again. Like, crazy. And, like, not, and we've not done it by luck either. Like, we've thoroughly deserved yeah. it, like, yeah. and everything yeah. that we've done. Like, that's crazy. Like, I think about coming here and watching we we'll play Juventus and probably the sort of Tino Asprea, Barcelona is probably a little bit young for me. But yeah. when we yeah. played Juventus with Shearer and 
got Shola who's around the training ground all the time and Harps and people like that and just knowing that they've done that and we've got to a League Cup final and Champions League and going to be playing in the Champions League next year is just like it's just hard to wrap your head around it. Uh, so yeah, as Dan Byrne alluded to there in his interview, signings will now arrive, but anyhow has perhaps surprisingly said he wants to keep Martin Dubravka, uh, Matt Ritchie and Paul Dummett, uh, terrific servants, uh, all of them, uh, but maybe he's more bench warmer category going into next season. Chris, interesting that how's uh, come out and said that he's going to keep those players. Uh, Matt Ritchie one surprises me slightly just in the sense that Ritchie himself has been keen to, to go be closer to his family in the South Coast for a while so that might be he's already admitted had he how himself he doesn't know whether they'll come to an agreement Paul Dummett I had mentioned a few months ago how I thought Newcastle were going to try and keep him around partly because he's seen as such a huge influence off the pitch but also when they get now that they are in the Champions League and that's confirmed this is it, yeah. you have to have eight homegrown players four of whom have to have been trained at the club between the ages of 17 and 21 so Paul Dummett is one of the few players in Newcastle Abbey who meets that criteria, along with Sean Longstaff, Elliot Anderson and Thiwi. They wouldn't need to name as one of those players, but they, they can do if they want. So it basically gives them another option within the Champions League squad. As for, for Martin Dubravka, how wants depth in every single position. But whether Dubravka himself, I think he's, he's come up with some quotes after the Chelsea game and sort of he said himself he doesn't know yet. I know that he wasn't particularly very happy with being dropped to being number two at the start of last season. And I think that might well depend on any interest there may be or may not be in him this summer. OK, no worries. Uh, not forgetting, of course, George, Becky Langley and the title winning women's team. Uh, they've also had a similarly terrific season and we expect a similarly exciting and challenging summer of raising standards for them. Wonderful stuff from Becky Nalasas. Yeah, fabulous. We've, we, I'm very pleased that we've talked about it a lot and been to a, a lot of matches. We will continue doing that next season. It's only going to get uh, better and more exciting for them next season. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait to, to see how they go. Absolutely right. Then let's finish off with your individual memories. Uh, we'll go to you first, Jacob. It bears repeating what an incredible season it's been, but what stands out as a moment that perfectly sums it up or that you'll be remembering for years to come. Let's go with you, new lad, Jacob Whitehead. I guess for me, then, I can probably go back to the first home game I went to, which was the Carabao quarterfinal against Leicester and Dan Byrne scoring oh, yes. in front of the Gallagher. And I guess for me, from as an outsider, I kind of... Initially, it's kind of, can you... Do you get what that means? And you can just kind of watch everything unfolding and it's not a difficult thing to quantify or think about. It's clear what it means and it's clear how much it meant to everyone watching and just how this team were being propelled by these fans by kind of Eddie Howe and his in-game changes because it was a bit of an awkward game that one and there's so many themes of the season which it seemed to capture and dredge up as well as being yeah really memorable for me. I thought you were going to go for the first time you met George. Uh, the first time I met George was uh, after he'd done a half marathon and he was in an absolutely foul mood, so it's probably not the... Uh... Oh, God, I was, yeah. So it's the same as normal, yeah. then? Just, that that was just... <laughs> since, yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So I reckon my moment of the season's got to be that absolutely ridiculous first 20 minutes against Tottenham Hotspur. I don't think I've ever witnessed anything quite like that in my life as a Newcastle fan and I think a few of those players on the pitch felt exactly the same the look on the face of Alexander Isak when he scored uh, just a complete disbelief and then obviously Jacob Murphy when his goal flew in I've never seen I've never seen anybody pull a face like that before it was just absolutely astonishing I was talking to somebody about that yesterday and they said 
they had to have a sit down and a break because they were so knackered after the first 20 minutes of the game and I knew exactly what they meant. I was standing there shaking. It was it was absolutely bonkers. It was ridiculous and we hope for many more uh, days like that. Chris, what about you? Moment that sums up the season. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent here, which uh, I wouldn't use you, but actually it would be both legs of the uh, the semi-final against Southampton, neither of which I was actually at, A, because I always send George to the South Coast, but B, because I was in... I watched both of them from uh, the RVI ICU baby unit with with, with James, uh, my my son, who was born in January, and they are special memories that I will uh, never forget. Certainly, standing on the opposite side of Leeser's Park, listening to uh, the roar before the match, uh, just before it kicked off the, the the second home leg, and then watching both both legs. So yes, that is sorry, very self indulgent, but they 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 are very much my special memories. Your son has no idea how lucky he is, does he, to have been born at this point? No, that's the Gammy James. Hopefully, hopefully it's just onwards and upwards from here as well for him. So yeah, absolutely. And George, how about you? Well. I, I never need a second invitation to be self-indulgent. So, um, but <laughs> or um, a first invitation usually. Uh, no, and um, <laughs> and I don't want to end on a sad note. But I feel emotional hearing Chris talk like that. But um, you know, I think the moment that stands out for me has to be Trafalgar Square, and obviously the final didn't go the way we wanted it to. But to be in London for that weekend, my my stepdad Gordon. Had, um, had gone into hospital that week and um, I'd visited him every day and he told me that I had to go to Wembley and that I had to report back to him. And so eventually I did go and I went very reluctantly knowing that really football didn't matter. Um, and then he died on the Saturday, the day before, before the cup finals, you know. And, you know, it was a tough day, but then to go to Trafalgar Square and... To see that seething mass of people in black and white, see them connecting to their families and friends in a way that we'd not had a chance to do for a generation, I realised it did matter. (laughs) And I was there and I was very lucky to be with Ollie and Chris and I hugged lots of random strangers and it was just, just a beautiful moment. And so if I feel a connection to this team and the club at the moment, this is a big part of it because... um, They've just been, they've been fabulous. It's been some year. It's been some year for all of us for different reasons. It's been incredible. Thank you for that, George. And thank you for, for everyone who's listened this season. It's been, uh, it's been incredible for us. I'm not really sure how to go on now, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, it's been, it's been, it's honestly, I, I do, I just think this has been such a special season. I mean, I would think that. I think I would think that anyway. I really would. And um, I've, I mean, I have said this in the last couple of weeks. It's it's up there with anything that I've experienced as a fan or as a journalist. You know, I was very lucky to to be able to write about the Bobby years. I was very lucky to be a fan during the Keegan years. And um, this has been this has been absolutely up there. Feeling that connection to the club again, and just going to St James's with that sense of joy and anticipation. It's just been fabulous, and I've loved sharing those moments with the three of you, both both writing stuff and um, and and Ollie as well. Can't can't leave Ollie out. It's so important to what we do. I can't wait to do more of it next season. Honestly, I can't wait. It's very special. But we, yeah, I think we have to take take a step back now and, and reflect and just enjoy what will be, I think, seen as a season for the ages. Absolutely right, then, chaps. Let's wrap it up. 
I think it's time. Uh, that's it for another season from Pod in the Time. We'll be back in the first week of August, and things will be a little different. Uh, so we'll let you know in good time about all of that. In the meantime, you can keep up to date on all the substantial transfer news on The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, where you can pick up a subscription and pay just pound ninety nine a month for your first year. Uh, gentlemen, thank you genuinely from the bottom of my heart for this season. I've loved every single minute of it. I've really enjoyed working with the three of you on this podcast. It's been it's been fantastic, uh, and it's been the perfect accompaniment to the perfect season. Jacob, thank you for coming in when you did. You've you've really lifted us, and you've given us a, a, another angle, another element, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Thank you for your time. No, thank you for uh, having me in in the January window and uh, taking me in and um... on loan from Everton. <laughs> look forward to seeing. <laughs> yeah. what you, look forward to seeing what you can really do um, next season, <laughs> Jacob. A full pre season under your belt. We've got a boot camp. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Chris, thank you, mate. I know this has been a, a an emotional season for you as well. Lots of stuff happening, but we appreciate every single minute of you being on here. I know we take the piss and I know <laughs> we have a laugh, but my God, what what a year it's been and thank you for everything from the bottom of my heart as well. No, thank you. And I, I know I love I love chatting to, to the three of you. It's very cathartic in many ways and uh, <laughs> then it just allows me to keep my anger towards George going as he, as he takes a mick out of me all the way through, although he, he has nearly... Ted me to tears once again on the, the end of this podcast so yes yes um we are we love you very much george so yes absolutely george thank you so much for your time mate no no i love it i mean i've given everyone there so much material that has last forever That's, i'm just gutted i'm absolutely gutted about that um i feel i feel washed out uh no i love you know i love the fact that we get the chance to do this i meet so many people i met someone at the um at the chelsea match yesterday who um, who came over and chatted and said that we helped get him through lockdown and all the rest of it. We don't take that stuff for granted when people say it. I'll tell you what, George, sorry to jump in, but you got me through lockdown as well because that was a, that was a difficult one for me. And if it wasn't for this podcast, I would have really struggled that time. So, yeah. yeah, we love doing what we're doing. So thank you. Thank you for listening. And um, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back soon enough. We will. Absolutely. And thank you to Ollie as well, our intrepid producer who's put up with more than enough bullshit to last seven lifetimes from the three the four of us sorry over over the last year and a bit uh thank you mate for everything that you do and all your hard work behind the scenes it doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated thank you uh lovely stuff right then that's it thank you to everyone who's listened thank you to everyone who's contributed anyone who's been on as a guest uh thank you uh to jacob chris and george and ollie and thank you of course to newcastle united football club we'll be back in august with champions league football and all of the stuff that comes with that thanks a lot once again, from everyone at Pod in the Time, have a belt and summer. See you later. You found the light in me that I couldn't find. So when I'm all choked up, but I can't find the words. Every time we say goodbye, baby, it hurts. When the sun and the band won't play I'll always remember us this way We spend so much time with each other like I, I see these lads sometimes in a, more than I see my own family you could become sort of like brothers but you always know that the next season like it doesn't matter what happens it's never going to be the same as it was the year before people will leave that's just football and we'll, and we'll bring new people in it'll never ever be the same group and 
for where we've been and how far we've come. Like we've achieved so much and it's like, yeah, I love this team. Yeah, I love everything about it. I just think it's a, never played in a team like this before where just with such a sort of togetherness and my team, some of the characters we've got in here and stuff, I just don't think that you'd I'd, I'd have that anywhere else. When the whistle went, I was buzzing, but I just thought, I don't think I'll really like, I'll really kick in until the season's done, I think. Fucking hell, like, I'm just getting the Champions League again. Like, that's crazy, like, I think about coming here and watching Shearer and knowing that they've done that and we've gotten to a League Cup final and Champions League and going to be playing in the Champions League next year is just, like, it's just hard to wrap your head around it. a little bit of it now where you need to manage expectation a bit because the excitement and an expectation here will start to creep up. Um, yeah, it's been a, a well-used question throughout the summer. I'd say yes, of course, we have to be considered in terms of our expectations, but I want us to dream also and I want us to have the, the belief going into every game that we can win and I think that's the minimum expectation. Athletic.